Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Here you go. Here you go. Randolph. Randolph is the nothing personal word of the day, as in the movie Trading Places. Sell, sell Mortimer, sell, get in there. One of the great scenes of the movie Trading Places is at the end when Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd give it back to Ralph Bellamy and Don Amici, who play brothers Randolph and Mortimer Duke. You really should see that movie. The reason why Randolph is the word of the day is I like saying Randolph. I like saying Mortimer too. Randolph and Mortimer Duke. So they're sitting around. They're in a position in the commodities market. That means they're losing money by the second. So they're trying to jump into the pit and sell their positions because they were trying to make money by having stolen the crop report but in fact, they stole the wrong one. Yada, yada, yada. They had to sell. For those of you in New York and those of you not in New York, wherever you may be, you may understand or know that the Wilpons own the New York Mets. Fred Wilpon, his son Jeff, and his brother-in-law named Saul Katz, they are the owners of the New York Mets. They play in a building called City Field. They win World Series. Actually, yeah, I think you can say plural. Fred won a World Series in 86. The Mets won another World Series prior to that. Whenever I give you something as general a statement as that, it means I can't quite think of the number. I want to say it's 69, the amazing Mets, but I could have the complete wrong reason why that number's in my head. And now the Wilpons... We're selling the team for $2.6 billion to one of their minority partners, a hedge fund venture capitalist named Steve Cohn, who's got his own problems. That deal fell apart, and then coronavirus came. We've talked about A-Rod and J-Lo and other bidders on this show. Wolf Blitzer. Wolf Blitzer. It's not... Coca, today's got to be Thursday. It's Thursday. Wolf Blitzer is not bidding to buy the Mets. David Blitzer and his partner, Josh Harris. They own the Sixers. They own the Devils. They're looking for the trifecta. So the conversation that's going on right now within the Wilpons living room, I don't know if they Zoom. I'm going to guess that Fred and Jeff don't Zoom. I'm going to say they talk on the phone. They see each other for some dinners six feet apart, they are deciding the following. And this is what owners do. How desperate are we financially? Where are we getting the cash to put into the team in order to cover our expenses that we cannot get rid of? Our payroll, 
our overhead, the 40 plus million dollars that they pay to the city. It's called payment in lieu of taxes, a pilot payment that was used to help build City Field. Remember when the Mets got all that credit? They built City Field privately. They didn't take any public money like that bastard Samson. Well, not exactly true. They did take plenty of infrastructure money from the state and the city of New York. But it is true that they've got something called debt service. They call it a pilot payment. I call it debt service. You say tomato, I say tomato. The bottom line is that is a fixed expense on a budget. Hello, hello, New York. Hi, this is Fred. And I don't know if you know this, but we are having one devil of a time with baseball and we don't think there's going to be fans and our revenues way down and our team sort of stinks and we chose the wrong GM. He was an agent. We thought he'd be good. We brought in a bunch of players. We're trying. We've got a Cy Young Award winner. And, but, but we, it, would it be okay if we didn't maybe just pay that money to you, that, that $44 million? Um, let me know. Beep. Oh. Hi, hi, this is Fred again. I, I think we got interrupted. I was just wondering. I was wondering, do we have to pay that $44 million? Could you get back to us? Thank you. Uh, Mr. Wilpon, this is Mr. Schlaffenschlaffen, and your money's due. Your money is due exactly on the date it's supposed to be due. And if you don't pay, there will be penalties. And believe you me, you think you've got budget problems. Look what's going on. Our entire tax base is eroded. Pay me my money. So the Wilpons get together, they do a budget, and they say, yikes, we may lose about $150 million this year. Where are we going to get it from? All right, let's go off the record right now. Jeff, let's have a meeting. Let's have a SNY. That's the network that shows Mets games that the owners of the Mets also own part of that network. We're putting the gavel down. All right, we're not meeting about the Mets. Now we're meeting about sports. Is it Sportsnet New York, SNY? All right, Jeff, what is the expected positive cash flow from SNY? Now, we know, of course, we don't count that as Mets revenue. We don't count that in terms of how the Mets are doing, but we definitely count it in terms of how we're doing. Well, Fred, my understanding is that there's still going to be a distribution made to the Mets that's going to be smaller because there's only going to be 60 games. But SNY is still taking subscriber fees and we've got those carrier deals. So we're making a pretty penny. I think we're going to make about a hundo, maybe even more. Well, let's do a quick math equation. If we're going to get a hundred million dollars and we get $80 million of that distributed to us, then we can put $80 million of that right into the Mets to pay for 80 million of the potentially 150 or $200 million loss this year that we have with the Mets. Um, okay, next question on the agenda. Where's the balance coming from? I like that you asked that, Fred. Let's look at our real estate holdings. How's the real estate income from all of the buildings we own? Well, it's actually not great. There's a bunch of people not paying their rent. There's a bunch of people actually not paying anything. Well, can we stop paying the mortgages on those, building, on those buildings? Hold on one second. 
Hello, JP Morgan, this is Fred. Could you do me a favor and let me know we owe you money and we really like to delay paying you back because you know all the real estate collateral you have. Guess what? We're not getting those payments. Um, Fred, this is JP Morgan. No, but, but JP Morgan, you're our banker. Why aren't you doing that? Here's why. We represent people who want to buy your team. We know very well that it's a conflict of interest. I'm not allowed to talk about both things because there's a Chinese wall in our organization. So I have no idea if it's true, but I've read that there are people who have hired JP Morgan. Yes, the same bank that I work for, but I'm in a different department. It's a different floor, different elevators. We're not even in the office. I've never Zoomed with the people. But the rumor is that they're representing A-Rod and J-Lo in their effort to buy the team. Now, we may have told A-Rod and J-Lo, of course, we'd never do that. That's against the rules. Stop recording. Hello, Fred, this is JP Morgan. What I meant to say was there is a chance that A-Rod and J-Lo know exactly what their bid's going to be, and they're collecting a whole lot of money and big-time partners. Even the owner of that hockey team down in Florida, Vinny Viola, he's in it. And what about the guy who owns all those horses? He's in it. Fred, you're going to get an offer on your team, but you're going to have to pay the bank back its money. And yes, you're not going to be able to borrow more. Okay, thanks, JP Morgan. Let me get back to Jeff. Hey, Jeff, we got a small issue here. If we don't sell the Mets right now, what are we going to do? We're not going to sell our houses or our planes. We don't want to stop giving to charity. What? We may have to sell the Mets. Can you still get $2.6 billion? Well, I'm actually pretty sure that no one's bidding $2.6 billion. We may have to go back to Steve Cohn. No, I will not go back to Steve Cohn. He wants you to be fired, Jeff. He wants you gone. Well, Fred, look what happened to that Samson guy in Florida. He got that big price for Jeffrey Laurie and he got himself fired. I'm happy to do that for you. Well, that's very nice of you, but I thought you wanted to run the team for five more years. Maybe we can go back to Steve Cohn, convince him to let you run the team for two years. It'll be like a soft landing and then you can retire and move on, focus on some development around City Field. Maybe get rid of those chop shops. Those are the conversations that are going on right now with the Wilpons. Those are real. I've had conversations like that with the owner. Here's what we're gonna lose. How are we gonna finance it? Is more debt available? If more debt isn't available, do we have to sell? Should we sell? What kind of price do you think we can get? Do you think that we can get a bunch of people bidding against each other? Do you think we can get Blitzer as well as A-Rod, maybe Jeter, maybe Jeb Bush, maybe Tag Romney? Bring them all. Lots of people bidding on the Mets or nobody bidding on the Mets. Maybe there's only two groups bidding on the Mets and maybe none of them want to get to the 2.6 number. And maybe the Mets are going to have to crawl back to Steve Cohn. Or maybe the Mets will say they don't want to sell because right now in the middle of a pandemic, the value of their team is at a low point. The only people who get to sell at the low are those who are desperate and need the cash infusion and don't want to fund losses anymore. Maybe they do go back to Steve Cohn and Steve Cohn renegotiates it. I predicted that Steve Cohn will end up back in the game because I don't think that Blitzer, Harris, or the A-Rod Consortium will get to a number that the Wilpons will say yes to. This story is far from over. Yet, if the Mets want to get sold by the end of 2020, please don't believe what you read. 
that the Mets have an interest in selling before 2020 because they want the new owner to have an opportunity to make his or her mark on the 2021 season? Forget about it. When you own a team and you're selling, you don't care about those things. You say you do because you want to tell your fans, hey, listen, we want to give every opportunity to the new owner to make decisions about what the team will look like going forward. No. They're looking at tax implications of the sale, how to maximize the sale price, and how to get approval through Major League Baseball, which is a gauntlet the likes of which would be a completely separate show. The hoops that potential owners have to jump through. I sort of picture right now in the commissioner's office, this is funny. It's funny to me. It may not be funny to you. In the commissioner's office, I can imagine them saying, listen, Fred, I understand you want to sell, but the groups who are bidding, we're going to have to vet them in advance. We're going to have to get all sorts of information and make sure they've got the money in advance because here's what we will not permit. The commissioner's office is saying to the Wilpons, we will not have another Marlin situation. That was such a cluster. But, but Rob, they got a price that I can't even believe for a team like that. Competition's good. Yeah, but they didn't really have the money. And all the money they spent to buy the team, then they had to trade everybody. And it was a PR nightmare. And now they're having major financial difficulties in Florida. Well, that's because that team always lost money. There was no way they were going to turn that around so quickly. But Fred, the Mets are in the same position. Do you think that a new owner is going to come in and simply because you're not popular, that all of a sudden the new owner, people are going to start buying tickets and everything's going to be all roses and wine? That's not the expression, is it, Coca? That everything's going to be all, there's an expression out there somewhere and I have no idea what it is. Well, that didn't happen with the Marlins. It's not going to happen with the Mets. And if you're selling the team, you don't care. Stay tuned. More to come on the Mets sales saga. So you want to talk to Samson. Segment. Please, if you follow me at David P. Samson, thank you. If you're catching me on some local hours I'm doing with Levitard, or maybe on the Pat McAfee show, and you're following me, or you're starting to follow this show, Nothing Personal, thank you. I appreciate your loyalty. We do this show every single day. 45 minutes, me giving you the scoop. Here's what it's like. Here's what's really going on, because I've been in the room where it happens, and there aren't many voices out there, if any, who are willing to tell you what really happens. Am I right every time? Hell no. But am I going to tell you exactly what people are thinking but not saying? Yes. We got a YouTube channel, youtube.com slash backwards slash dot HTTDBSQ colon semi rot colon. Nothing personal with David Sampson. You can also download wherever you're getting this pod. If you're hearing this or seeing this somewhere, you've downloaded it. Hit subscribe, rate, review. And every month we actually do a mailbag pod where I will answer questions that you put in your Apple review when you rated five stars and then review. So thank you for doing that. During the course of a show, each show, mostly each show, 
So you want to talk to Samson's from the movie Half Baked? Because that's a fully great movie. Everybody in that movie wants to talk to Samson. So if you do, get in my Twitter, David P. Samson. Ask a question. I'll get to it if I can. I'll read it if I may. I'll respond if I do. Today, so you want to talk to Samson. Do you think the PGA Tour is smart for continuing with tournaments having had positive tests? I love this question because this goes to a debate that we have to have. We simply have to discuss what leagues are doing, why they're doing it, and whether or not it's going to work. The commissioner of the PGA Tour is a man named Jay, last name Monahan, likely pronounced incorrectly. If you're a fan of nothing personal, you're going to know that I'm not really good at the pronunciation game. It's just my thing. Everyone's got a thing. He had a press conference yesterday. Everyone was all nervous. Brooks Kepka tested negative, but his caddy tested positive. He withdrew. Is this the end of the PGA Tour? Will the tournament this weekend continue? People at CBS were all biting their fingernails and worried. I knew that that 2 o'clock press conference would add up to an entire ball of nothing, and it was. All that he said was, it'd be really nice if people would follow the protocols because we don't have a lot of positive tests, but we do have some, and that's too many. And we're not going to stop this tour. So can you please wipe off the damn rakes? Stop touching the flagpole. Practice social distancing. Wear a mask. And by the way, if you're going to take the private PGA tour charter, which we're making available, we're going to be testing you. And I don't mean like the private island UFC testing. I'm talking about the real deal. Why is PGA so insistent on continuing its tournaments? Why are we hearing from the mayor of Miami that fans may be allowed in Marlins Park? Why are we hearing in Texas where cases are spiking around the country? We had our most cases of COVID-19 ever Yesterday, life's beginning to continue. What's the upside? What's the downside? What's the reality? The upside is that the economic impact of the shutdown has been long, far-reaching, and disastrous for millions and millions of people. Unemployment claims alone today, another million and a half people. Every week, there's another million and a half people filing for unemployment. That doesn't even count those who don't file, who have been furloughed or just laid off. Businesses have started to do business again, but they're finding their expenses are up and their revenue is down. When your expenses are up and your revenue is down, you cut your expenses. Are you going to cut your increased cleaning expenses? Are you going to lay more people off? Are you going to make your product in a different way that is more shoddy, less costly? You're going to do something or you're going to be out of business. Businesses have decided that there is an acceptable level of positive tests, an accepted level of hospitalizations, and then an accepted level of deaths. 
the reason why people are accepting these levels and these spikes have not caused another shutdown is that it's younger people, for the most part, who are now getting sick. And younger people get sick. Many times they're asymptomatic. And then many times it goes away. Ignoring the fact that if you are positive, though asymptomatic, you can spread that to someone who would not be asymptomatic. But the juice is worth the squeeze for every one of these businesses, including the business of sports. On March 11th, Rudy Gobert tested positive. The NBA shut down. On June 25th, Derek Jones Jr. of the Heat tested positive, and the NBA continues toward its bubble start on July 30th in Orlando. On March 12th to 13th, there were no positive tests. MLB shut down spring training. On June 25th, players are testing positive left, right, and center. On we go! The WWE, in the name of you, the fan. I love that. Vince McMahon said, we owe it to our customers. We've got to take the risk. They've had an outbreak. Dozens of people within WWE. But the show must go on. What's the downside? The downside is that these sports start and these positive tests don't end. So instead of getting these people who are testing positive, these players and athletes, and having them recover in time, like the three members of the Sacramento Kings, they'll recover in time having been quarantined and get better and test negative. They will be ready to play. The downside is what happens if this had been during the bubble. I don't know how many more times I can say it, but I'll say it maybe in a different way. Everyone's all over me today. McAfee, the whole world over my take of LeBron James having those practices, those against the rules practices where they definitely weren't social distancing, giving them a huge competitive advantage. What's going to happen if 10 members of the Lakers test positive once they're back for the preseason? Well, I guess they'll separate. They won't get to practice while their teams do. And then they'll start the playoffs and start to try to win a title. What happens if they all test negative, but then four days into the season, they test positive? Will the NBA shut down? I think the NBA and MLB have committed to playing no matter what. Rod Manford today spoke to the Associated Press, a fellow Horace Mann alum, Ronald Blum, I assume, and said, we owe it to our fans to get back on the field and we owe it to our fans to get better to stop the arguing, the bickering. We, and when he said we, he meant owners, players, the union, the commissioner, the commissioner's office. We owe it to all of you to get on the field. 
no mention of the fact that financially it is imperative to get to a postseason. No mention of the huge spike of positive tests within baseball. No mention of the 100-page protocol in baseball that will not be followed. I promise you that. Why? Because that's not good business to mention that. You understand what's going on politically with this virus. It's not good business for the right to buy into Corona because the best hope for the right is a strong recovering economy. I get it. It's positive for the left to point out to the right that they have not handled Corona properly and the economy is suffering not because of Corona, but because of how it was handled. Look at other countries and the progress they've made. Both sides are using this politically. Sports, they're using it economically. That is a very big difference. How does this end? This ends in disappointment. The disappointment that I will feel when I end up being right, that there will be a problem with the restart of the sport, different sports, NBA, NHL, MLB, and it will make things worse, not better. Those are team sports. Do I think it's smart for the PGA to continue their tournaments? The answer is no, I don't. But if there's any sport that can continue where you can monitor a smaller number of people on the tour, making sure they're following protocols, then I am fine with PGA. I prefer them to tee off alone. I prefer them to have no caddies. There is a call for the PGA to stop its tour. So you want to talk to Samson, my final answer is that if the players continue to not follow protocols and they are caught not following protocols, there will be a different decision going forward in the PGA. Pay attention, MLB. Pay attention, NBA. And pay attention, NHL. You are putting your sport in the hands of your employees, the players, and counting on them to do what's right. And let me tell you, it's hard to hang out with just Wilson. I get it. What about the way we're being looked at by other countries? Do you know that it's possible that the European Union will not allow U.S. citizens to come to, to go to Europe when Europe opens its boundaries somewhere around July 1st? Do you know that Canada may not allow any U.S. sports teams into Canada because they don't believe that we as a country have handled this correctly? Canada is very involved with NHL and MLB restart plans. The NBA doesn't care about Canada. They don't need to. The Raptors are in Florida. There's no travel. Everyone's staying in the bubble of Orlando. The Petri dish of a bubble of Orlando. They don't need to recross the border. 
done wiping their hands of any Canadian issue. MLB wants the Blue Jays in Canada, except they had not submitted a plan yet that the Canadian government would have to approve a health and safety protocol plan unique to the Blue Jays. Well, they have now. I don't believe Canada is actually going to accept MLB's proposal. They did grant an exemption to the NHL, but not for travel between the U.S. and Canada. They are letting hockey go on in a bubble in a Canadian city. It will be very interesting if the National Hockey League chooses Canada as its one bubble site for the Stanley Cup. I don't think they will because they'll want the people from Canada to leave Canada, come to the States and play, because if they've got teams from the U.S. going to Canada, there is a quarantine that may still be in effect. We don't know. We do know that will be in effect when MLB is trying to start. If there are players coming from Dunedin to Canada, Dunedin is the spring training facility for the Blue Jays, where guess what? They're shut down because of coronavirus. You think Canada's letting those players in? No. Not happening. And the Blue Jays, if they get to play in Toronto, because somehow they demonstrate perfect health, somehow they convince the Canadian government to say yes. Is the Canadian government aware that the Blue Jays are not in the bubble because teams are coming up to Toronto? Because in a 60-game season, there's 30 road games, 30 home games. That means there will be 30 days where Toronto is playing in Canada, and the rest of the time they're going to the U.S. and then coming back. For the 30 home games, it's all U.S. players and teams coming into Canada. As I sit here today, having discussed this with both Coca and Wilson, it is my belief that Canada will have to cut a separate deal with Major League Baseball. The Blue Jays will not be allowed to play in Canada. They will have to find a way to start the season somewhere else. Could it be Dunedin? Maybe. Doubtful. Could it be in Buffalo, close to Toronto? Maybe. Could they share a stadium with another team? That's where I draw the line. I don't want two teams sharing a facility because that means that facility will be active all 60 of the days. That means that two teams would be sharing a home clubhouse. That will require a protocol and a level of sophisticated cleaning that I don't believe any of the baseball teams are going to be employing. All the businesses we hear about, whether it's sports teams or your airline or your grocery store, we have instituted the greatest cleaning system ever. We spray, we wipe, We wash. Okay. Not buying it. Why? Because it's the same people using the same supplies and maybe they're doing it a little more often. Let me ask you this just so you can compare your, compare this. When you go into a public bathroom at a restaurant or anywhere, do you ever look at the certificate on the door 
where there's an initial of a person and a time that that bathroom was last cleaned. Did you know that's there? Do you look at that and get great comfort? Do you say, you know what? I'm going to set up shop on this public toilet because it's clean. I don't need to put toilet paper on the seat or one of those coverings. I'm good. Really? I'm not good. I get zero comfort when I see that there has been a cleaning in a public bathroom. Do you know what I do get comfort? When I go into an elevator and there's a certificate that it was last inspected six months ago, four months ago, eight months ago, it makes getting into an elevator easier because I say to myself, tip my cap. If I'm in the one elevator where the cables snap, all I'll do is jump as high as I can when it's about to hit the floor, hit the bottom floor. Having grown up in New York City, that was a trick that we were all taught. If your elevator free flunges, free flunges? Do you like that one, Coca? Are we going to edit that out? A free flunge? If your elevator free plunges to the bottom floor, jump and you'll be fine. I used to practice that when the elevator would land at the lobby. I would jump, and it actually is interesting. If you jump at the right time when the elevator settles at the ground floor at normal speed, you sort of get a second, what I believe it must be like for a Michael Jordan to fly through the air and be able to dunk and go down and go up and all the things I could never do with my four-inch vertical leap. (laughs) It doesn't work. But I tip my cap if it happens, it happens. In a public bathroom, I'm not feeling that confident. Clubhouses are going to be cleaned in a different way. Concourses, seats, airplane seats, stadium seats. Wait to see. It's going to be interesting with Canada. Something's going to happen. I promise you that. Update. ML Beer Challenge. It's day 102. Sorry, Coke. I'm going to keep going. It's 102 days. We've had a beard for 102 days. It's a lot. Coca got a haircut today. Looks good, actually. Get up here, Coca. You going to show your face and show your haircut to the people watching on YouTube? You've never had a chance to do that. Are you willing to do it? Of course not. So quiet. One day I'll get him on camera, folks. Don't you worry. When we come back, there's going to be some singing. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. 
From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Welcome back. There's a bunch of songs I want to sing. I'm going to start with this one. When I was uh, younger, I turned on and saw a video on either MTV or VH1. I don't know what it was. I don't even remember what year it was. I just remember that whoever this was, was one of the single most beautiful women I had ever seen and had a voice the likes of which I had never heard. How will I know if he really loves me? Do you know who that is? That's Whitney Houston. What about this one? I write the songs that make the whole world sing. Do you got that one? What about this one? Whoa, ho, 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 Thunder Road. <laughs> you got that one? Okay, what about this one? It's a touch of gray. God, that was horrible. What do all of these songs have in common? His name is Clive Davis. Clive Davis is a music executive who started off as a lawyer. He had no idea that he would end up in the music business. He was asked 50 years ago on a whim to take over a division of a record company out of nowhere, had no idea what his skill was except as a lawyer. Clive Davis soon discovered that he had an ear, an ear for music, an ear for hits, a way to put a song together with an artist and make magic. He discovered Whitney Houston. He made Barry Manilow, Barry Manilow. He helped the Grateful Dead, Bruce Springsteen. He actually told Bruce Springsteen when he looked at his album and said, Bruce, you have no hits here. It's a great album, but you need to have a hit. Billy Joel. Remember the line in the Billy Joel song, The Entertainer? I am the entertainer. One of the lines in that song is, if you're going to have a hit, you got to make it stick. So I cut it down to 305. Length of song. Clive Davis became one of the all-time, let me say it a better way, the all-time greatest music executive in history. And he's still going. I watched a documentary called Clive Davis, The Soundtrack of Our Lives. I would encourage you to watch it because whatever type of music, how about Sean Combs? How about Aretha Franklin? How about Melissa Manchester? 
on and on and on. The moral of the documentary is something that they didn't even address properly during the documentary. You don't necessarily know what an opportunity will mean for your life. So many people are scared to go outside their comfort zone. They're scared to take a job that they don't think they know how to do perfectly. They're scared to learn a new skill because they think they want to keep doing the same thing over and over again. They're scared to take a chance. Clive Davis took a chance and realized and found out that his life would never be the same because he had an ear for music that didn't exist. How do you know that you don't have a talent that you're not aware of? There's no way to know until you try, until you have an opportunity that you either get given or you go after. You think something good happens just sitting on your couch, even during quarantine? What's wrong with being aggressive? What's wrong with going after something? What's wrong with people thinking that you're too much, that you're outrageous, that you're polarizing? There's nothing wrong with any of it. Find out what you're good at. And if you're not good at something, try something else. If you're not happy, get happy. The documentary by Clive Davis called The Soundtrack of Our Lives is one that you should watch immediately. We do corrections on nothing personal. And this is an interesting correction. As you know, we tape 45 minutes and we post. We give it to you on YouTube and you've got it. I, in discussing NASCAR yesterday, said that Bubba Wallace had somehow, he's the one who had discovered the noose. If I said that, I want to correct it because he didn't find it. He eventually was shown it, but he's not the one who found it. This has been a very difficult subject. I have gotten tremendous anger and agreement and disagreement from people over my comments on this situation. I'm looking at a picture that has just been released of this garage door pulley, the pull rope. Yes, it looks exactly like a noose. Is it possible it had always been there? I don't know. Is it possible it was not meant as some sort of sign? I don't know. But that doesn't matter. What I do know is what's real. And if you think that racism isn't real, then you're not paying attention. If you think that hate crimes aren't real, then you are not paying attention. So I'm happy to make the correction because he didn't find the noose. But I will not step back and walk away from my original comments. I won't step back from my current comments. Take a look in the mirror. And if you're not tolerant of people because of color, I'm okay with you not being a fan of the show. If you're not tolerant of people because of size, 
Well, then you wouldn't be watching the show anyway. I don't get it. What's the problem? Are you jealous? Are you nervous that people are better than you or worse than you? You want to eliminate all competition for you to be better? Then guess what? Who are you better than? Nobody. You want to be the greatest? Then you've got to beat everybody. In the boardroom, on the court, in your business. There's no room for it. Be on the right side of this, folks, because believe me, when history looks back at 2020, there will be a right side and there will be a wrong side. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.